Sins are all gone in the depths of. 
faithfulness removed as the east is from west far away from all power and principality my sins are in the depths of the sea my sins are in the depths of the sea you glad your sins are in the depths of the sea amen? amen brother moon you come preach for us would you amen thank you thank you preacher i appreciate you thank you well hey it is great to be here tonight and i'm so glad to see you a great crowd here tonight what an honor it is i do want to say some thanks to some folks i appreciate so much every kind word and encouragement uh that you've given to Sheila and myself, we have had a tremendous time. It has been a joy and a privilege to be here. And thanks to those who've given us notes, cards, I mean cookies and, uh, and all that, especially the cookies. And uh, I got to go home and take, go on a strict diet uh, between the cookies and the pastor's wife's uh, cooking. I'm, I tell you what, I've had to loosen the belt one notch today. And, uh, but it has been great. Thank you so much for all the work that's gone into it, all the prayer that went into the revival. Thank you, folks, uh, for your sacrifice, uh, for your uh, uh, concern for souls, your concern for revival in your own heart, in your own life. You know, revival, what it is, is um, revival, you've got to be alive to revive something. It's had to have life in it. Really, souls being saved initially is not the results of revival. It's, it's not revival. It's a result of revival. Revival is when Christians revive, get revived. When those, at, you know, it's sort of like when you've been next to a campfire and the spark, it's, the fire's died down. And uh, maybe you've had a campfire overnight and it's died down and you get up the next morning and the embers and the coals are still there and you stir them around and put some more wood on the fire and all at once it starts flaming up again. That, that's, it's revived. And that's what revival is in our heart and our life is when we get the, we stir the old embers and get them going again and, 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 and put the wood on the fire uh, uh, and uh, watch God do some things. So thank you for your prayer and your sacrifice, fasting and praying and, and fasting different things and so forth. What a joy it is to be a part of that. Again, thanks to Pastor and his family for all the meals, uh, Pastor's wife for the great meals and for the fellowship and the time we had together. The accommodations are just tremendous. That's a great motel over there. They take good care of you. Everybody that works there that I've met now has a track from your church. And uh, I have talked to them. Every one of them, are you, do you know you're going to heaven when you die? That's either, either somebody has gone over and won them all or they're lying to me one. Because I've witnessed to almost everybody that works there over this week. And uh, not a one of them said they need to get saved. And I think they were just lying. So I'm gonna, if, if I can't get them, I may, Brad may have to get saved tonight to make up for it. All right? But anyway, and then again, a special thanks. Sheila and I had been praying for something, and uh, we had a special need, and we prayed. We didn't tell anybody about it. We didn't tell anybody about it. And while we were here, God met the needs. I walked out this morning, and there on my car were forks all over it. And those forks, we had prayed for forks. And there was those forks. And God was so good. All right, that was a joke, really. The joke wasn't that the forks were there, all right? They were there. And so a note and stuff with it. Uh, I want to thank those who put it on there. I want to thank you that you didn't put the toilet paper on there. I want to thank you that you didn't put the wrap on there, saran wrap. That you just put the forks and the card on there. I have them in my trunk. And so thank you so much. We needed those forks. I hope they're clean. They, work. they weren't used forks, were they? Were they used forks? Who did it? Don't want to admit it. <laughs> so I'm not going to do anything to you. Uh, I'm thankful for the forks, amen? I'll use them. Amen, I, you know. Ain't no sense in throwing them away. They, they got washed last night anyway. The rain came down all over them. So I just want to thank God for that. <laughs> oh, there's always somebody in the crowd, isn't there? And, uh, but God's good, and I'm so glad I'm here tonight. Uh, I struggled. Honestly, I struggled. I told Pastor last night I had a couple of different subjects, and plus I outlined a whole sermon uh, just for you. And God just, uh, I, he wouldn't let me preach it. And uh, when I say he wouldn't let me, uh, he directed me a different direction, if you understand what I'm talking about. 
And then uh, I, I was down to two that I really just, one of them I really wanted to preach. And, uh, and, and, and this morning, last night, as I went back and I sat there and did some research and studying and stuff, and early this morning praying and so forth, I, my mind was changed to a sermon I didn't even plan on preaching, period. I've preached this sermon, I think, uh, I preached it at Shawnee, I preached it at Posen, Illinois, and, uh, and I preached it at a revival in, Ma- in Manchester, Tennessee. So I've preached it three times before. Most of my sermons, I'm not a guy that preaches sermons over and over and over again. I'm not against it. I'm for it. A lot of guys that come in and preach revival, they, they just pull out, you know, their sermons and preach them. And I'm not against that. But, and one of them, then when I, oh, the first sermon I preached, I preached it, I think, two other places. And, uh, but, uh, but the one I preached uh, uh, last night, I think it was last night, I had preached nowhere. This, it was here. And I had nothing for here. And uh, God wouldn't let me preach it. But, uh, like I said earlier, but this sermon is not an easy sermon. And this is why I didn't want to preach it, because of what the subject is. The subject, is, when I tell you, you'll understand. The subject is not what I like to preach on. I don't like to preach on this. But I feel like it's necessary for us to get back to some things that we need to get back to. And uh, so I've asked the Holy Spirit to help me. And, again, I, I, unless you're a preacher, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But if you preach like, you know, you sometimes it's like it's crystal clear. Preach that. Sometimes it's like. You're, it's like you're arguing back and forth. Do I don't? Do I don't? Lord, please, you got to help me. I never forget one time I went to the pulpit like that, and I had two sermons, and I couldn't decide which one to preach. This was years ago, and I couldn't decide which one to preach. And I got to the pulpit, and my pastor back then, this is before I ever went to college, had given me. A, he'd preached a revival, and I said I love that sermon. He said, "Here," he just handed it to me, and I put it in my Bible. Well. I'm going back and forth, in the, and during the, all, during the special music, in my heart, God said, preach the sermon that's in your, fold, in your Bible. And I went, Lord, I can't do that. I ain't even studied it. I just heard it once. And the Lord said, no, preach it. And this is the truth. I took that sermon, and I stumbled my way through it on a Sunday morning with a house, with a church packed. I stumbled my way through it. I made mistakes. I was embarrassed. I did not do a very good job, but I knew I obeyed the Holy Spirit. When the invitation came, there was folks coming forward to get saved. There was folks coming forward. The altars were full. There was folks that went back and came back again. And I'm like, you know what? God taught me a lesson that day. You know what he taught me? I don't even need you, Ricky. You're nothing. What do I need you for? I don't need your study. I don't need your brain. I ain't got much of that. I don't need any of you. I can do it on my own, and I just want to show you I can do it without you. Now, you get the privilege of serving me. Remember that. And that's what I learned more that Sunday morning than everybody else did. I'll guarantee you that. Service gets over. I'm a young man. Service gets over. I'm still young, but then I was really, really young, all right? But the service got over, and uh, there's a folks that had a marriage issue, and they said, can we meet with you and the pastor? I'm thinking, you better meet with the pastor because I ain't got nothing to give you. <laughs> And so we went into the pastor's office, and we're sitting in there, and they're talking, and they're, at, they're looking at me for advice. I'm like, Pastor, you go ahead. <laughs> I didn't know what to tell them. I didn't have a clue what to tell them. But God, again, taught me, I don't even need you. I don't need you to bless. What you need is a blessing of God. And tonight, I hope God blesses us, and I pray that he does. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to turn to a very familiar passage when you hear it, and that is Luke chapter number 16. And again, I won't be very funny tonight because there's nothing to be funny about. Because I'm going to preach on the title. Uh, this is my title. I'll give it to you now. Hell is real. Hell is real. Would you stand with me out of respect for God's word? Luke chapter 16, beginning in verse 19. Follow along silently as I read out loud, please, if you're physically able to stand. Stand with me. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously Every day. There's a certain beggar named Lazarus, which laid at his gates full of sores. Desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover the dog came and licked his sores. It came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And sin Lazarus said, he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented 
in this flame. But Abraham said unto him, Son, remember thou in thy lifetime, thou in thy lifetime receiveth uh, thy good things. Likewise, Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So the day which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Father, we come to your presence with a subject that's hard to preach on. It's a subject that we really don't want to put in our mind and think about. To think about hell is something that we'd like to push in the recesses of our mind and leave it there. Lord, I I love to hear about heaven. I love to hear about how my sins are buried in the deepest sea to be remembered no more like the song a while ago. How that stirred my heart and blessed my soul and, 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 and just motivated me and excited me. God, what a, what, a, what a blessing. It's done so well. What a blessing. The music here, Lord, has been so good. My heart has just been stirred and motivated by it and helped so much and encouraged. But now, Lord, we come to this subject. Would you please help me? Lord, please help me. Please help me as I preach it. That I'll preach it the way you want to. Set a watch for my mouth. Keep the doors of my lips. That I'll say what you won't say You know I've prepared. You know I've studied today. You know I've prayed over this today. But if you don't meet with us, it's all in vain. Please meet with us. Holy Spirit of God, hover over us. Bless, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you look back at verse number 23, the Bible says, And in hell he lifted up his eyes. May I say this very kindly? Hell is a place where he had vision. He could see what was going on. Now that, and he cried, there was weeping. <laughs> and you know, he said this, would you please dip the tip of your finger in water and cool my tongue if I'm tormented? He recognized he had a need. Oh, a lot of people talk about hell and they'll say, well, it's just a place when you die, you're dead, and they call that hell. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. May I say this kindly? There are over 100 and 62 references to hell in the New Testament alone. Let me say that again. There are over 162 references to hell in the New Testament alone. Jesus referred to hell 70 times. Do you know that Jesus referred to hell more than he did to heaven? Let me say that again. Jesus referred to hell more than he did to heaven. When someone talks about something in the Bible, when the Word of God mentions something over and over again, it's for emphasis. Like, for example, the Red Sea experience is mentioned over 150 times. Was it because, what was it? He didn't want them to ever forget, and he wanted to put the emphasis on the important things. See, sometimes we miss the emphasis. We go after something that's not as important. But yet God put a major emphasis on hell itself and the reality of hell. People don't want to think about hell or talk about it. And many say it's not real. But yet God said it is real. That's not talking about what the Old Testament refers to hell and how many times it talks about hell. I'm just talking about the New Testament alone. Hell is a place that We don't like to talk about, but it is real. Let me say several things about hell. Let me start out, first of all, by saying this. Let's look, if if you don't mind tonight, the fact of the place of hell. Look at verse 23 again. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes. In hell. So there was a place called hell. And he was in that place. Wherever that place is, he was there. Matthew 25, 41 says this. 
Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. May I say this, that there is a place called hell. Now, where is that place of hell? I'm not totally sure, but I think, what I think, what most theologians, a lot of them believe, is that hell is in the inside the earth's core. Now, whether it's there for, or not, I know this, it's real wherever it's at. But I know this, that hell is a place of fire and brimstone. Verse 24 says, And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip, uh, that, uh, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in this flame. Matthew 13, 42 says, And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be welling and gnashing of teeth. And I said a minute ago, as I read Matthew 25, 41, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. Hell is a place of fire. That I know. I know this. It's a place of darkness. I have uh, done some research, and I, uh, and I heard sermons on this, and the research they made is this, that the hotter the flame, the, the fire, the darker the flame. That means that hell is awful hot. Now, there's a, uh, some of the scientists believe that you have what we call the crust of the earth, the mantle of the earth, the outer core and the inner core. Now, you being a geologist type, you know this, and I should have you, I should have run this by you first, but I'm just going to go by what I've been taught, all right? If I'm wrong, don't say anything, all right? Just smile and move on, all right? But you have that outer crust, which they believe to be 5 to 25 miles deep. Is that right? Is that close? Close enough, all right. He says that. He doesn't have a clue either, and he's a geologist. <laughs> No, actually, he knows he doesn't want to make me look like a fool. That's probably what it is. And then you have that mantle. I'm right on those, though, aren't I? All those I'm right on, right? I'm right on the fact that there's inner core, outer core, mantle, and crust, right? Okay, all right, I'm on a roll now, all right? But I know this. It's a long ways to the inner core. And it's believed to be that the inner core is about 800 miles in it. The uh, the outer core is about 1,400 miles. The, the mantle is about 15 or so hundred miles. In the, and then you got the outer, the crust. Now, the truth is, as you go in, there, there, it gets hotter and hotter. Now, let me, let me just say this. I know this. Whether it's on the inner core, I mean, on the, in the inner core, I don't know. But I do know this. But the fearful... And the unbelieving, and notice unbelieving, and I'll come back to that, and abominable and murderers, and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, a lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And somebody will say, well, I just don't believe that. He just addressed you. And the unbelievers. Well, I don't believe it. It doesn't matter. You'll go there whether you believe it or not. If you're lost. And obviously, you don't believe it, you're probably lost. You know, it's amazing. God doesn't want us to go there, but we have to admit that, and I have to admit that hell seems like a cruel and unusual punishment, doesn't it? But I didn't write the Bible, did you? No. And I don't have a say-so in what's right and what's wrong. So all I can say is, is that it is True that there is a hell. And that people that die without Christ will go there. Now, some scientists say that the center of the earth is hotter than the surface of the sun. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's real hot. Now, I know this. I know that the Bible talks about that dreaded place called hell. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, if the inner core was that hot, and the hotter it gets, the darker the flame. Can you imagine how hot hell really is? No wonder there was gnashing of teeth and wailing. No wonder there was the weeping and the crying. And people say, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going there when I die. So I ain't got to worry about it. I agree you don't have to worry about going to hell. But I think there's more to it than that. 
whether hell's in the inner core of the earth or whether it's in some other dimension. I think scripturally it's in the inner core, but I can't totally prove that even though some people say they can. That's fine. I don't even care. I just know this. It's real. Wherever hell is located, it's a real place. Hell is real. But I want you to talk about the place of hell. I want to talk about the punishment of hell. We've already mentioned some of it, but let me go back to it. I want you to notice these words. Matthew 25, 46. And there shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. See, there's punishment in hell. There's sorrows in hell. Act, uh, Matthew 8, 11, 12. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There's sorrow in hell. There's suffering in hell. We just read it a minute ago when he said, I am tormented here in, in Luke 16. I am tormented. Being in torments, verse, he says in verse 23. And then he says in verse 24, I am tormented in these flames. There's suffering in hell. There's sorrows in hell. Can you imagine what's going to happen with the people that die and go to hell who could have sat in a church like this and never got saved and went to hell? The sorrow, not just the torments they're going through and the suffering, but the sorrow of them knowing they could have gotten saved had they trusted Christ and they refused to and they went to hell to burn forever when they had an opportunity, a great opportunity to miss hell. Can you imagine those people who heard a soul winner tell them how to get saved and they refused to listen to the soul winner and they died and went to hell? Or someone gave them a track and they tore the track up and threw it away and said, I don't believe in that stuff. But because they're unbelievers, the Bible says they'll go to hell. There's sorrows in hell. There's sufferings in hell. There's separation in hell. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with an everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Do you know that right now we have mercy? We live under mercy and grace. But in hell, there won't be any mercy and grace. I think sometimes we fail to realize how much mercy we have and how much grace we have, how merciful God is in our lives when we live the way we live sometimes, and yet God shows mercy and God shows grace. But when people die without Christ, there'll be no mercy from God. There'll be no grace. There'll be no presence of the Lord there. You know, the Bible says, he'll never leave me nor forsake me as a child of God. The Bible says, he's always with me. He's omniscient, he's with me. And so, uh, uh, and, and omnipotent, he's all powerful. And so he gives me that grace. He gives me, look, there, uh, uh, there won't be any grace in hell. The man who dies without Christ, the unbeliever. Had people say, I don't believe in hell. When they die, they will. That's a sad thing to say and a hard thing to say. But they will then. They're separated from God. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which deceived, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his enemies, and they were both cast alive in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Hell has real punishment for the unsaved. Hell is real. We can talk about the place of hell, the punishment of hell. How about the prolongation of hell? I'm talking about the duration. I'm talking about the time frame. This is hard for us to wrap our little minds around. And the devil that deceived them was cast in lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and false prophets are, and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And these shall go into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. You see, there was a rich man here that died, and he woke up in hell. And can I very kindly say this tonight as best I can?
He's still there. And remember when the Bible was written all those years ago and he was thirsting for water and he said, Father Abraham, just let Lazarus dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormenting these flames. He's still there. The flames are still there. And he's still thirsting for the water he'll never have because of his life. Listen to me, folks. Hell is real. And it's real long. It's called forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. If we took this platform from over here to the corner where the tree is to over where the tree is over there, the bush, and that was a timeline of eternity. Our little life here on earth, if we lived to be 100, would not even be one little speck on that timeline. And there are people that are that little bitty less than a speck. They're, they're, they're living in such a way. They did, they're, they're themselves. They've never been saved. They're going to go to hell for that whole time frame. Or, as a Christian, we're letting folks go because we're not willing to open our mouth and tell them about Jesus. Now, that's sad. Say, Brother Moon, are you trying to scare us tonight? Nope. I'm telling you the reality, though. You know these reality shows on TV? I don't watch them, but you know reality shows on TV? They're not reality. That's, it's a paradox. They're not reality. They're non-real. And the reality shows they have, they've planned them to be like that, to make it look like that. What I'm telling you tonight is reality. This is going to happen. And that man is still in hell tonight, burning in the lake of fire. And he still has no water. And he's still in torments today. The people in hell that are there now will get out one time. And that's found in the book of Revelation. When in Revelation, they come out. In chapter 20, I believe it is, to stand before God. And to be judged when they're brought and to bring out the books and the book. And they're judged according to their works. And then they're cast back into hell for all eternity. After the books are read and their, their works are shown. And they're cast into hell for all eternity. That's the only time they ever get any freedom from hell. How long is hell? Whew. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And every man, woman, boy and girl that have reached the age of accountability that dies without Christ will go to that hell. I've looked at the place of hell the punishment of hell, the prolongation of hell. Now, I've started already on it, but the people of hell. So, you know, hell wasn't even made for the people. It was made for the devil and his angels. I read it again. I read it to you earlier. Then shall he also say unto them on the left hand, Depart me, you cursed and everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So who's going to be in hell? The devil and his angels. I've heard guys say, Well, me and my friends, let's go down and have a party. I don't think so. There'll be no partying. There'll be a lot of weeping, but no partying. There'll be a lot of mourning, but no partying. There'll be a lot of hurting and hurts, but no. There'll be a lot of torments, but no parties. The dead that are unsaved will be there. Those who have rejected or never truly trusted Christ will be in hell. 
Notice it said, and I read a while ago, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who know not God that, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. And this Sunday we celebrate Easter, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross to pay the sin debt for mankind, was buried and rose again, conquered sin and death, and now reign, rule, and now sets at the right hand of the Father on high, making intercession for us. And that's where Jesus is now. And may I say this kindly, and as kind as I can, anybody that doesn't believe in that gospel, the true gospel will die and go to hell. And that's why Paul said in, Gal- in Galatians chapter 1, if any man preach any other gospel other than the gospel I preach unto thee, let him be a curse, which literally meant let him go to hell. You say, why would he want him to go to hell? So that he didn't take other people with him to hell. When he preached a false doctrine, a false gospel, hell is real. Hell is real. But the fearful, unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And I saw a great throne, and him that sat upon it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. There was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great. This is what I was talking about earlier. Stand before God. And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which was in it, and death and hell delivered the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Hell was made for the devil and his angels, but every person that does not trust Christ as their Savior will one day end up in hell forever and forever. Hell is real. Hell is real. Let me say this in closing. Because hell is real, if you're saved, here's what you ought to do. Rejoice. You never have to go to hell. Rejoice. Your name is written in heaven. Rejoice. Your sins are forgiven. Lift up your voice. Oh, Christian, rejoice. Your name is written in heaven. We can rejoice. That's why we can raise our hands and say, praise God. Woo, glory. I never have to touch my soul in hell for one millisecond. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm saved. By the mercy and grace of Almighty God, Jesus looked down on me, and by faith I got saved through grace. I got saved and put my faith and trust in Christ, God's riches and righteousness at Christ's expense. I got saved. I got saved from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. I got born again. I got saved. I'm saved, saved, saved. My sins are all forgiven. Christ is mine. I'm on my way to heaven. Once a sinner guilty and undone, now a child of God saved through his son. Save, save, save. I'm going to heaven and nothing can ever do it. So if I, as a Christian, I ought to praise God. I ought to rejoice. I ought to lift my hands and, and, and to God Almighty and my heart to him and just praise him that I don't ever have to touch hell no matter what. That's what I ought to do as a Christian. So if you're saved, <laughs> you ought to rejoice. If you're saved and you've gone away from God, you ought to return. If you've drifted away from God, God, you need, you, you and I both need to be examples to the lost. You and I both need to let the world see Christ in us. You and I both need to have our families and our friends. They need to see Christ in us. That's why he said, you're the salty earth. But if the salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing but to cast out and to be trodden under the feet of, foot of men. You're the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And he giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, that they may see your good works, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Let your light shine. Well, I'm an undercover Christian. There are no undercover Christians. He didn't say undercover Christianity. He said, let your light shine. Take it out. Take the bushel off of it. Let it shine. 
Let it shine. I'm going to let it shine. Oh, hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Don't let Satan play it out. I'm going to let it shine. Don't let Satan play it out. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And my, by God's grace, everybody in this room ought to be letting their light shine before everyone around them, before their family, before their friends, before a world is dying and going to hell so they see there is a difference in you and them and there's a difference in the way you live and the way they live. And if we're going to be like the world, we'll never win the world. We've got a philosophy out there. You've got to be like them to win them. And that is straight from the pits of hell. You do not be like them to win them. You be different from them to win them. Why do they want what you got when you got what they got? They don't need what you got. They already got it. There ought to be something different. So if you're a Christian, I'm going to tell you what hell ought to do for you. It ought to make you return to God. If, you, if you're not where God wants you to be in your spiritual life, tonight you ought to make a beeline to this altar, get on your knees and pour your heart out before God, come to Him with a broken and contrite spirit and say, God, I am wicked, I'm foul, I'm dirty, I am not what I ought to be. Hell is real and I don't want folks to go there and i got to try to win them. And there's probably everybody in this room has got somebody you need to win. Somebody that answers their phone. Got to turn it off. But it didn't keep somebody from calling me, did it? I'll call you back later. <laughs> I don't think she heard that. There Sheila called Teresa. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I won't even go any further with that one. I'll leave it as is, all right? Let's get back to the message. I'll lose my train of thought on that one. If you are saved, rejoice. If you are saved, and you're not where you ought to be, return. If you're saved, remember this. Soul winning should be a priority. It's not a suggestion. It's a priority. The last thing Jesus told us before he left to go to heaven is to be witnesses. I, have, I had five children. I didn't have any children. My wife had five children. If I'd have had them, that would have been a miracle. All right? My wife had five children. And when we left them with a babysitter, normally, if one of them had an issue or something, you saved that life and said, now, by, unless you, maybe you already told them, she said, hey, let me remind you, so-and-so is going to need this before this. If you have any problems, call us. Of course, back then, we didn't have cell phones, so you had to call us where we're at, where we're at. The last thing you told them before you left was the most important. Because normally, people remember the last thing you told them, not the thing you told them first or second. Last thing Jesus told us before he left was, you'd be my witnesses and to win souls. Now, here's the question we have to all stop and ask ourselves. Do we? Do we? Do we try? Do we witness? Do we take those tracts that we've been given that are out there and pass them out? You know how hard it is to pass out a tract? It's about this hard. Hey, let me give you something. Uh, I'm, I'm over here... Pr- you're not over here because you can't say this, but that's just what I would say. I'm over here preaching revival at this church, and uh, let me give you this little track, Mr. Church. By the way, it tells you on the back how you know for sure heaven's your home, and I'll invite you to church sometime. Now, if the, it presents itself, I may say, by the way, on the back it does say that you know how, for sure you, how to go to heaven. Do you know that for sure? Look, people say, well, I go to church. So did I every time the doors were open. So did I. But I wouldn't go into heaven when I died. <laughs> We had a gentleman, when I was in Roanoke years ago, came to revival. We had a revival that just kept going on, Brother O'Donnell. It just kept going on. We had it one week. It went to two weeks. It went to three weeks. went to four weeks. took a week off. went to five weeks. went to six weeks. During that revival, a man came from the Methodist church. I'm not criticizing Methodists. I'm just making a statement. He came from the Methodist church. He had been an elder there. He had taught Sunday school there. And he listened to the preaching of the Word, and he said, Whatever it is y'all got, I don't have. And right there during that revival, he bowed his head and asked Jesus to save him and got saved. And he said, here I've been an elder in the Methodist church. I have been in church all my life. I've taught Bible in the Methodist church, and I was not even saved. Just because you come to this church don't mean you're saved. So when is important. Go back, to that, go back to our text. 
Luke 16. Verse 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, this is the rich man saying to Abraham, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify in them, lest they also come to, into this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, they have Moses and the prophet. That meant they had the book of the, book of the law and they had the books of the prophets. And he said, let them hear them. And he said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went them from the dead, they'll repent. And he said to them, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. See, our family and friends that are lost are going to die, that die without Christ are going to go to hell or burn forever with no hope. I said, our family and friends that die without Christ are going to hell to burn forever with no hope. I said, our friends that die without Christ are going to heaven, are going to hell to burn forever without no hope. No hope. No hope. No hope. No hope. What are you going to do to reach them? Hell is real. If you're lost and you're here tonight, boy, I'd come to Jesus. Well, it's, it's, I don't even know if I'd wait for the invitation. I might run forward and say, preacher, meet me up here. Moon can finish preaching when he wants to, but I've got to get it now. Repent. It's not worth you taking a chance on going to hell for all eternity. Turn to Christ. Salvation is the most important thing in your life. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the king, gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. It is worth taking a chance. Is it worth taking a chance on your soul for all eternity when you see that hell is real? Is it worth you taking a chance on your very soul for all eternity? Hell is real. Not a sermon you get excited about preaching. Not a sermon that has a whole lot of amens and praise God and let's run the aisle. But if we don't get back to realizing that this book teaches us there's a hell, we're not going to try to keep people out of it. See, what we do, we're not playing games. Church is not a game we're playing. It's not a, we're going to go put in our time and come home, now we're done. See, that's what we've got into. We've got into churches. Well, oh, y'all can't come at that time? When would it be convenient for y'all? We'll just have church whenever y'all want to have it. I mean, don't put me out, preacher. Don't put me out and make me have to do something I don't want to do. I've got other things that are important too, you know. Because church is not that big to us because we don't really believe there's a hell. Only that what you really believe moves you to action. Now hear that statement. Only that which you really believe moves you to action. Let me give you an illustration. I've used, I may have used it here before. We're standing out here next to the road. One of these little children start running out in the road. And we go, you know what? That kid's going to get run over if he's not careful. Huh? Well, I hope he doesn't get run over. Boom. We go, I knew it. I knew it. He should have never been in that road. Nobody's going to do that, are they? The minute he starts out toward that road, somebody's going to say, Hey, look out! Get away from that road! Why? Because you don't want him to get run over. Are you mad at him? No, it's for his sake. And because I believe he's going to get run over, it motivates me to keep him out of that road. But if I just stand there and just look at him and go, Well, you know what could happen? I really don't believe he's going to get run over. Either that or I don't have a stinking bit of compassion in my whole heart. And I'm a cold-hearted heathen. I don't think anybody in here is a cold-hearted heathen. But do we really believe hell's real? Do you believe hell's real? Then what's it going to do to your life? Because if it's real, we got to keep everybody we can out of it. And don't tell me all of Akron's saved. And all of Hartville saved. And all of, all of Springfield saved. And if I could think of the rest of the cities, all of them are saved. Because they're not. And you that complain about the bus ministry, oh, they're out there. Go ahead. They're out there. You that complain about it, 
You know what they're trying? Those bus captains are spending all day, nearly Saturday out, and all Sunday afternoon doing? They're trying to reach the souls of men and women, teenagers, boys and girls, who are going to burn in hell for all eternity if somebody doesn't have some compassion on them and go after them and reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Quit you complaining, quit you fussing, and get in here and get busy and help us. That's the best thing you can do is help us. You want a ministry that'll bless your gizzard? You get out there and reach some lost people. Get out there and knock on some doors. And they have this blitz. Get out here and come to the blitz. Quit making an excuse. Well, I just, I don't think I can do that today. I don't think you can do it any day. Because you don't care about people dying and going to hell. They're going to go there. They're going there. Maybe you're not, but they're going there. Go to, next time you go to a restaurant, just sit down and look around the room at the people. And remember this. Everybody in that room is going somewhere when they die. Somewhere. And you know who he left here to tell them about it? Me and you. Now here's the question. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? Say, well, I don't want to offend anybody. No, you're too pride. You're afraid your pride's going to get wounded if they turn you down. Look, I've had guys tell me, look, I don't want that mess. I don't believe in that junk. Okay, fine. But at least I gave it a shot. But most of the time I have them to say, yeah, I don't want to go there. I won't go to heaven. Please, hear me out. Hell is real. Now, what's it going to do for your life? It'll either motivate you to start being a soul winner. It'll motivate you to get your heart right with God and realize the value of heaven and the value of being saved. Or you'll just continue to go through life with no concern for anybody. If you can do that, go ahead. But I can't do that. I can't do it. Multitudes, multitudes in a battle decision. Every teenager you teenagers go to school with, every one of them is going somewhere when they die. They're going somewhere. They're going somewhere. If we say let's have a prayer meeting for law to win souls, two people show up. If we say let's have a party and watch the final four, the room's full. Because we're more concerned about a basketball game than we are about souls of men who are dying and going to hell and burning forever in the lake of fire. I love sports. The sports has become a god. A false God in America. Because the value of us. Because uh, we don't. And I'm going to tell you why. Because we really don't believe there's a hell anymore. Because it's not politically correct to believe that. Well, fully on the political correctness. Hell Amen. is real. Amen. Now, what's it going to motivate you to do? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask the pianist to come to the piano and quietly play. Would you rise to your feet? What's it going to motivate you to do? Anything? Well, well Brother Moon, I, I don't want to go overboard. Don't go overboard then. I'm just going to tell you hell's real. And that son of yours that's not saved is going to go to hell and burn forever if he doesn't get saved. And that daughter of yours that's lost is going to go to hell and burn forever if she doesn't get saved. That husband of yours that's lost is going to go to hell if he doesn't get saved. That wife of yours, if she's not saved, is going to go to hell if she doesn't get saved. Your mom and your daddy, if they're not saved, are going to go to hell if somebody doesn't reach them. That cousin of yours, that aunt, that uncle, that guy living next door to you is going to die. My next door neighbor died last night. Last night. Six weeks ago to the day, her husband died. But here's the good part. Six weeks ago, this coming Sunday, they asked me to come to the church, I mean to the funeral home, and, get, and say some words. And I asked them what I could say. And I did a mini funeral at the funeral home. They all sat down. Most of them were Catholic. And they sat down. And I gave them, I told them what the man that was a casket was in there. I told them what he did. I preached a funeral. I preached a funeral for his neighbor, the next neighbor on the other side of me. He was saved. 
And I gave him an opportunity. And my neighbor next door to me raised his hand and said, I'll trust Jesus today. I, he, I led him in a word of prayer. And they prayed and asked Jesus to save him. I said, if you did it, raise your hand. My neighbor raised his hand. I told that story. And I said, now, I want to give everybody in this room an opportunity to do the same thing. Janet's my neighbor's name. I had talked to Janet. Sheila and I went over and talked to her and tried to get her saved. And we couldn't get her lost. But that day, six weeks ago, I let them, I, I let them in a word of prayer, talked to them about the gospel, the true gospel, only way to go to heaven. Spent quite a bit of time on it. Hear me now. When I had them to pray, I said, if you did that and you meant it, and you got saved today, raise your hand. Janet's hand went up. Two of Janet's daughter's hands went up. Several people over there went up. Some of the other family members went up. People in the back went up. I think it was 16, wasn't it, Sheila? 16 people raised their hand. They got saved. Janet was one of them. Last night at 6 p.m., Janet met Jesus. Can I ask you a question? What if I hadn't given her the gospel? Where would Janet be today as my neighbor that's lived next to me for 20 years? Where would she be? Where would she be, Brad? She'd be where in hell, wouldn't she? You don't think it's important? Your neighbor's going to die. You don't think it's important? Your mom and daddy are going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die. If you're here today and you've never really been saved, it's time you came forward, grabbed the preacher and said, I got to get saved. I got to get saved. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I have any mass this this week. Many's at the altar. How many say with heads bowed, eyes closed? No one looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed. No one looking around. How many say I know for sure I'm going to heaven? Would you sleep? Out? I know I'm saved. There's been a time and a place where I asked Christ to save me. I got saved. I got born again. I know it. And I'll raise my hands to testimony. I am saved. God bless you, man. Put your hands down. If you couldn't raise your hand, and some didn't, thank you for your honesty. But would you please let us share with you how you can be saved tonight and get it settled? Don't die and go to hell. It's a real place. Would you get saved? Would you at least let us pray for you? You're here tonight and you say, I don't know I'm going to heaven. Would you slip your hand up? I don't know, Brother Moon. No one's looking around but me. I don't know. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up put it back down where I can see it? Anybody like that? Slip your hand up. I don't know for sure I'm saved and going to heaven. Pray for me. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to go to that place called hell. Pray for me. Anybody? Come on. Be honest. If you couldn't raise your hand the first time, would you slip it up this time? No one's going, looking at you. You don't have to worry. Anybody? I hope then everybody, God bless you. Anybody else? I don't know I'm saved. Raise your hand. Slip it up. Anybody else? One raised their hand. How about you? God bless you, little man. God bless you. Anybody else? You may put your hand down. Anybody else? I don't know I'm saved. I don't know I'm going to heaven. Dad and mom can deal with some of these young ones and talk to them. Whether they're old enough, they understand. Anybody else? You're a teenager, preteen, you're an adult. I don't know I'm going to heaven. Slip your hand up and hold it there a second. Come on, be honest. I mean, you ought to care enough about yourself to at least raise your hand and say, I want to pray for myself. You do care that much, don't you? Slip your hand up and hold it there a second. Anybody? God bless you, young man. Anybody else? I don't know I'm saved. I don't know I'm going to heaven when I die. Pray for me. Anybody else? Father, I pray for those that did raise their hand, especially for the children, that the parents will be able to talk to them even now. If they want to talk to the pastor, I know he'd love to talk to them or one of the staff members. Find out if they understand. God, if they do, help them to get saved today. May tonight be the day of their salvation. These others, one or two that raised their hand, please, Father, even if, they th- if they're a member of this church but they're not saved, give them the courage to get it settled tonight. If they're doubting their salvation, maybe they did say I'm with the pastor, open the word of God and get it settled once and for all. God, please give victory tonight. Now our heads are still bowed and our eyes are closed. And I know I've gone a little bit longer than normal. You raised your hand, said, I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven. Would you look up here at me? If you raised your hand, would you look up at me? You can get it settled tonight. Would you be willing to get it settled tonight? Would you do that? Here's what you can do. You know you're a sinner. You know you're on your way to hell. And Jesus paid the price. 
when he died and was buried and rose again. If you'd ask that Jesus to save you, he'll do it. And you can pray a simple prayer like this, just simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. Please forgive me. Save me. And give me eternal life. I trust you, Jesus, right now as my Savior to take me to heaven when I die. Now, our heads are still bowed and our eyes closed. If you're here tonight and you raised your hand or didn't, and you're not saved, and you, you were sincere, you want to be saved, you know you wasn't saved, you know you was only but hell, and you wanted that salvation, you asked Jesus just now in that prayer to save you, would you raise your hand and show, uh, out of respect to God and say, I did that just now. I just now prayed and asked him to save me. Would you hold your hand up there if you did it? Anybody like that? God bless you. If you meant business, here's what I want you to do. If you really meant business, make your way to the nearest aisle down the aisle front. Let the preacher talk with you and tell him about it. Come on. You're not, in, you're not ashamed of him, are you? Come on right now. If you did it, I want you to do it. I know it's a big step. I know it is. But I'd step out and tell him about it. Let him know. Father, now bless the remainder of this time together this evening. Sure do love you. Praise you. Lord, I'm, I, I know I didn't do a very good job of talking about hell. and I, I, I don't even know how sometimes. It's just such a tough subject. Lord, help us just to obey you and serve you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did make that decision and um, you weren't compelled to come forward, why don't you let somebody know about that? Uh, I'd be more than happy to hear that. I'd love to hear about that. It's a great decision to make. It's a, a life-changing decision. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in this life. Well, anyway, we are so glad that you chose to be a part of the service tonight. We're going to go ahead. Gentlemen, why don't you come on up? We are going to take up, I told you we would do this, uh, an offering. And then it will go to Brother Moon and to his wife as they depart tomorrow. We'll make sure that they uh, receive a check for that. And that way they can know how much we appreciate them. And just uh, the, the, you know, their willingness to sacrifice their time, their uh, schedule, and to come on up and be a part of our services and be a blessing to us. Again, if you've already given, fine, but if not, and this is your opportunity, all right? So let's go ahead and uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll um, take up that offering. Father in heaven, we come to you. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that we have, Lord, just to give to the servant of God, Lord, just to show our appreciation and also, Lord, to support um, the work of God that you're doing through him. And Again, Lord, we understand that there are expenses tied to travel and all the things that go on, but we want to be a blessing to your servant. And, Lord, we know, Father, that you will bless us for being good to the man of God. Now, Father, be glorified in this uh, offering. And, Lord, just uh, continue to work in his life and Mrs. Moon's life, their ministry, their family. And, Lord, Father, be with Community Baptist Temple. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's all stand as we close in a word of prayer tonight. All right. But, uh, Brother Kevin, I want you to come close us tonight, would you please? And we'll dismiss tonight. Again, glad you could be a part of the service. And again, if you don't have a place to worship on Sunday morning for Easter, we'd love to have you. Again, we'll have, have our normal, uh, we're going to have our normal Sunday school. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll have our, our main service for the, the Easter season. And uh, we'll be back on Sunday night at 6 o'clock as well. We'd love to have you back. You plan on being a part of the service this Sunday. And again, we certainly appreciate your faithfulness.
Father, we do thank you for tonight, Lord, and uh, we're so thankful for these last few days of services, uh, Lord, where we've spent some extra time in the house of God. Thank you for Brother Moon and his sensitivity to your word and your will as far as the message is preached. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to keep hell real in our minds every single day. Lord, that we would not see people running about just being busy, but we would see their eternal souls, Lord, and where they're headed and be concerned about it. Uh, Lord, I pray that we would really believe that hell is real. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us as we uh, head home tonight and then that you would uh, use these next few days, help us to invite folks, encourage folks to be in church for uh, Resurrection Sunday, Lord, as we celebrate uh, Easter and the uh, risen Savior. Lord, we thank you for uh, your gift of salvation, for all that you're doing in our lives, how you're working. Lord, we pray that you would continue to keep revival stirring in our minds and our hearts over these next several days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.